Your Bibles this morning. Ooh. That one's on. Genesis chapter 18. <clears throat> Genesis 18 this morning. And let's begin reading from verse 1 of Genesis chapter 18. <clears throat> it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. <clears throat> and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. <clears throat> Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord and Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this opportunity to gather around your word today. We pray, Lord, that you bless our time as we consider the passage before us. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us, instruct us through your word. Uh, refresh us today and bless us. And Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit, give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be uh, your words, it would be your thoughts today, and that, Lord, you would be honoured and glorified in everything that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> of course, last Sunday in chapter 17, uh, we saw uh, the Lord appear unto Abraham there in chapter 17, and and the Lord met with his servant by the name Almighty God, El Shaddai. And the Lord, with that name as the foundation, had then gone on to reiterate his wonderful covenant with Abraham. He went back over all those things that he's mentioned before and indeed added some new things as well. And so we saw the Lord declare to Abraham there that he was indeed going to be the father of many nations, and in particular, a great nation a nation where the Lord would put his name, uh, the nation of Israel. We saw the Lord reiterate the promise that he would give to his descendants the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. It would belong to them. But of course, these promises would not be fulfilled through Ishmael, the only son that he had at that point in time. These promises would be fulfilled through the long-awaited promised son. And so the Lord finally, after years of waiting, the Lord declares to Sarah that she will, sorry, to Abraham, that Sarah, his wife, will conceive and she would have a son and they would call him Isaac. In response to these wonderful covenants, we saw, uh, covenant promises, sorry, we saw Abraham respond in faith, didn't we? He responded in faith, showing his faith by his obedience. He went and circumcised himself and, and his family, all the male uh, <clears throat> male people there in his house, he did as the Lord had instructed him. And it was a sign of his faith, his obedience to the Lord. You know, there's no doubt as chapter 17 finished that Abraham was encouraged, wasn't he? He was encouraged. He was rejoicing in the Lord. I mean, he'd met with God and the Lord had revealed these wonderful things to him and given him the promise of the son Isaac finally being born. He was strengthened in his faith. He's looking forward now with great expectation to what the Lord is going to do, to how the Lord is going to bring all this to pass. 
And you know, we can imagine his excitement that day as he goes home and he <coughs> goes and tells his wife, Sarah. I'm sure he told her everything that had taken place that day, this meeting with the Lord. You know, it seems from chapter 18 that Sarah, she's still struggling. She's still struggling to believe the word of the Lord. You know, Abraham, he's all excited about it. He's thrilled by what God has said, but Sarah, she's still having a hard time believing it. She's doubting the Lord still. And so she needs her faith to be strengthened, doesn't she? She needs her faith in the Lord to be strengthened just like Abraham did. I mean, he needed the meeting in chapter 17. And Sarah, she needs her faith to be strengthened as well. And so really, these events in chapter 18, they're really for Sarah's benefit more than Abraham's. They're really for her benefit. They're to strengthen her faith in the Lord. The commentator Goetz writes this. He says, Sarah was still not convinced that she could bear a child in her old age. And her skepticism was was understandable. Remember, she had never heard... God speak directly to her. God had always appeared and spoken to Abraham, never to her. But God, God knew all this. He was working in Sarah's life just as he was working in Abraham's. And he was just as concerned with Sarah. She was just as important in God's plan as Abraham. For she was to be the mother of the promised seed. You see, she's just as important, isn't she, in this this story here, this scenario, she's just as, a, as important as Abraham. And so she needs some encouragement from the Lord. She needs her faith uh, strengthened as well. And so there's no doubt that in chapter 18, <clears throat> Abraham is thrilled and he's blessed by this meeting with the Lord yet again. But Sarah, she's the one who benefits most because she hears for the very first time the promise of God from himself that she would conceive and bear a son. And so this morning I want us to consider this meeting recorded here and ultimately I want us to consider the response of Sarah to what she heard. Notice firstly here this morning we see God's appearance and Abraham's response. God's appearance and Abraham's response. Look in verse 1. Excuse me. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 1 begins by saying, And the Lord appeared unto him. We see yet again the Lord appearing unto his servant Abraham. And we talked about this many times before, but we understand this here to be the second person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate. He's in bodily form, meeting with Abraham here. And as Abraham meets with the Lord, uh, sorry, Abraham had met with the Lord on previous occasions like this, hadn't he? Okay, he met with the Lord and the Lord had appeared unto him in bodily form. And most recently, it was back in chapter 17, verse 1. Let's just quickly go back there. <clears throat> chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And so the most recent occurrence of this was chapter 17, verse 1, the Lord appeared unto him, the Lord Jesus Christ, in bodily form. And so this appearance that takes place now in chapter 18 
is only a short time later. Okay, there's not a real big gap between the meeting in chapter 17 and this meeting here in chapter 18. Indeed, this meeting has to take place within a three-month period. And the reason for that is because in chapter 17, verse 21, the Lord had said that Sarah would conceive when she would bear a son one year later. Okay, chapter 17, verse 21. It says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And so the Lord had said that only a year from that meeting, in chapter 17, only a year later, they would welcome their son, Isaac. As chapter 18 begins, Sarah is not yet pregnant. She hasn't yet conceived, and so it has to be in that three-month period. Okay, it's within three months of the meeting in chapter 17. And Abraham here in chapter 18, he's sitting in his tent door in the heat of the day. He's having a siesta, if you like, a rest in the coolest place he can find. And he looks up and he sees these three men standing by. As we saw there in verse 2, there it says, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And so we immediately learn here that the Lord is not alone on this occasion. Every other time we've seen the Lord meet with Abraham, he's been on his own. But this time he's joined by two angels. Abraham looks up and he sees these three men coming towards him. And so the other two are angels. And they are the same angels who are later sent to Sodom to warn Lot about what's to come there. Look in verse 22. Of chapter 18, verse 22, it says, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Okay, so they head towards Sodom, these other two. And then chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And so these two angels are going to have another purpose. They have another uh, mission from the Lord that they're yet to do. Okay, these are the two who are going to go to Sodom and warn Lot. But here they're, they're joining the Lord here. And so these three come and they meet Abraham here in the heat of the day. And as Abraham's sitting here, he looks up, he sees these three men. And the question then is, does he immediately recognize the Lord? And the commentators are divided on this. You have some who believe that he immediately recognized the middle person, the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, he recognized him, he met with him before. And then there's others who believe he didn't recognize the Lord straight away. Morris is one of those who's of the opinion that he didn't immediately recognize the Lord, but he still believes he sensed that the men were special visitors from the Lord God. He writes this, he says, Abraham had apparently been praying and meditating, and there can be little doubt as to what was occupying his thoughts though here was nothing in the outward appearance of the three strangers to suggest they had come from heaven, Abraham somehow sensed that they were very special visitors to be used by God in some special way to answer his prayers. And so Morris is of the opinion that he didn't immediately recognize the Lord, but he he knew they were sent by the Lord. There was a special purpose to them coming to him on that day. On the other hand, Getz believes that he immediately recognized the Lord God. He says this, Abraham waited with an expectant heart and God did not disappoint him. 
He appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. There were actually three men who appeared, but Abraham recognized one of them immediately. He was God in the form of a man. And so there are two sides here. There are those who say you immediately recognize God, the Lord Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh. And there are others who say that he didn't immediately recognize this one. But you know what both sides agree on is the fact that Abraham sees this meeting as an answer to prayer. Okay, he sees it as an answer to prayer. You know, perhaps Abraham has been praying earnestly that the Lord would speak with him yet again, and this time in a way that Sarah herself would hear so that her faith would be increased. And that would make sense, wouldn't it? You know, if Abraham's gone home and told Sarah the wonderful things of chapter 17 and she's doubted it all, she's struggling to believe it, I'd be praying that my wife would get a special revelation. I'd be praying that the Lord would help her to understand. And so we can see Abraham praying earnestly for this. And certainly from the way that he responds here in chapter 18, it seems clear that he has been praying, that he is waiting expectantly for an answer from the Lord. And we see his response here in verses 2 through to 5. Let's just read it. It says, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servants. And they said, So do as thou hast said. We see his response here. Now, his response here is more than just a normal act of hospitality. Now, it's certainly true that in Eastern hospitality, especially in Abraham's day, they would rush to, to help you know, uh, any visitors. They would uh, make preparations to give them a meal. They would do this kind of thing. They would be very hospitable towards guests. But this clearly goes beyond that. Okay? This is more than just customary hospitality. You see, his whole manner here suggests urgency. Okay? There's urgency here to what he's doing. He is urgent to get these things done so that he might hear what they've come to say. Okay? So he might get to the conversation with them. In verse 2 and 3, we see Abraham run to meet them and he bows himself to the ground, pleading with them to stay. Let's just read it again, verse 2. It says, And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. He runs to meet them, and he bows himself to the ground. He, he bows down to them and pleads with them to stay. Now the phrase bowed down or bowed himself is actually the Hebrew word shakor. And it's the word that's translated worship right throughout the Old Testament. It's the word worship. And so we see Abraham here, he runs and he worships this one who's come and appeared to him on this this day. And in verse 3, he says, my Lord. The word Lord there is the word Adonai. It's the word Adonai, and of course that's one of the divine names, a name for God. Now, of course, Adonai can be used 
Okay, as a title of respect for man as well. That's true. And so we can't use this title alone to prove that he knew this was the Lord. But certainly as he falls down and he worships and he acknowledges this one as Lord, Abraham does recognize that their visit is important. And he recognizes that it is in some way providential. It's from the Lord. And he acknowledges himself here as a humble servant, doesn't he? In verse 3 there, he says, at the end, I pray thee from thy servant. He says, I'm just your humble servant. He bows himself down. He says, I'm a servant. Stay with me. And he says that they were sent for this purpose. Verse 5, he says, For therefore are ye come to your servants. He says, you've come for a purpose. You've come to me. He bows himself down. He humbles himself. And he says, stay. He pleads with them to stay. You see, this is more than just a normal act of hospitality. There's more to it. This is more than just common courtesy. There is an element here of excitement. There's an element of expectation to Abraham's behavior. And all of this indicates that Abraham immediately saw the significance of this meeting. Commentator Getz again writes this. He says, Abraham had been waiting for this moment. This moment when he would encounter the Lord again. It would not be surprising to someday learn when talking with Abraham in heaven that he'd been crying out to God in prayer, seeking his help in his present dilemma. The Lord's sudden appearance didn't seem to catch Abraham totally off guard. He responded as if he had been expecting another message from the Lord. And so we get that idea, don't we? This idea, there's excitement, there's expectation. He's been waiting for this. I mean, so we see him run and plead with the Lord to stay for a morsel of bread. And the Lord responds, of course, by saying, yeah, we'll stay. And then you see Abraham running around like a madman. He's running around like a madman, preparing all of these things for his guests. Read on there in verse 6. It says, And Abraham hastened into the tent under Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man. And he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. We see him running around now like a madman. In verse 6, he hastened into the tent to tell Sarah to prepare some cakes. In verse 7, he runs to the herd. He doesn't send anyone else. He runs himself to the herd. And he picks out the calf and he instructs his servant to quickly dress it. Make haste. Kill the calf. Prepare the meats. You see, all the way through this passage, what do we see? Abraham running. He's 100 years old. He's running around like a madman to get all these things ready. See, there's urgency here, isn't there? There's excitement in Abraham here to get everything ready and to sit down and hear what these men have to say. Hear what the Lord has to say unto him. Morris writes, This one senses not only that Abraham was exhibiting genuine hospitality, but also that he was in a hurry to get these amenities taken care of, that he might the sooner learn what the providential message of the visitors might be. And so in verse 8, he now brings all of these things that he's prepared, that he's hastily prepared. He brings and he sets it before these men, before the Lord. 
And he stands by waiting expectantly. It says there in verse 8, And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and stood by them under the tree and they did eat. So he's standing by as they eat. He's standing by expectantly waiting. Now as I read all this, I tend to agree with Goetz and I tend to agree with that side of the commentators that he knew he was meeting with the Lord. You know, as you read that passage and you see his excitement, you see his haste, you see everything he's doing, it just says to me he knew he was entertaining the Lord. And he was making haste to make sure all these things were done so that he could sit down and so Sarah was there to hear what the Lord had to say. You know, Abraham seems certainly to know that he's entertaining the one who in chapter 17 had appeared and said, I am El Shaddai, the Almighty God. Abraham is full of excitement an expectation to hear what the Lord has to say unto him. You know, as I was reading that passage this week and considering his excitement, considering his expectation here, his urgency to hear what the Lord has to say, you know, I wonder whether we have that same excitement. You know, do we have that same expectation to hear from the Lord? You know, we have the privilege of having in our possession the Word of God, don't we? The complete revelation of God. Now, Abraham didn't. He had to wait for these special revelations from the Lord. But we have the complete revelation of God in our possession, the Word of God. And beloved, we're all able to daily read it. We're daily able to sit and hear Him speak unto us. But how often are we guilty of neglecting the Word of God? How often are we guilty? How often do we approach the Word of God as if it's a chore? It's a burden. You know, it's taken up our time and, and instead of hastening to make ready so we might clear our slate and spend quality time with the Lord, it's the other way around, isn't it? We hasten to get it done so that we can continue with our life. You see, we've got the wrong idea. We've got the wrong focus. We should be hastening to have everything out of the way and have a clear slate so that we can spend that quality time with the Lord. That should be our excitement, our expectation to sit and spend time with our God and hear what He has to say. You know, there should be a genuine desire, genuine excitement to spend time with our Lord. You know, the psalmist David, he speaks about his love for God's Word, doesn't he? Constantly. In Psalm 119, verse 20, he says, My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. His soul breaketh. He was, he was hurting. He was so excited just to spend time in God's Word. He ached to spend time with the Lord. In verse 47, he says, And I delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. He loved to spend time with the Lord. Likewise, Psalm 119, verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Beloved, I wonder, do we love to sit and spend time with the Lord? Sit and read his word. Sit under the preaching of his word. May the Lord give us that passion, that excitement that we see Abraham had here. That excitement to hear from the Lord. We see secondly now this morning, the Lord's message and Sarah's response. The Lord's message and Sarah's response. Look in verse 9, it says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tents. 
And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? By the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. For she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. In verse 9, we see the time now arrived. You know, all these things are out of the way. Abraham's made haste. He's prepared this meal. They're sitting down. They're eating. And the time now arrives for the Lord to speak unto Abraham. This is the time he's been waiting for, to hear what the purpose of this visit has been. He's been waiting expectantly to hear from the Lord. And now as the Lord begins, he starts by asking, Where is Sarah? Where is thy wife? Verse 9, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tents. Now obviously, being the Lord God, he knew exactly where Sarah was, didn't he? He knew exactly where Sarah was. And so this question is not posed because he wanted to know where she was. He was ignorant of it. Rather, it's posed to get her attention, it's to get Sarah's attention. Commentator Gill writes this, The question here put by him was not out of ignorance, for he knew the name of Abraham's wife. He knew where she was. But this was asked in order to lead on, to say something more concerning her, and that hearing her name she might draw nearer and listen to what was said of her. And that's the whole point. It's to get her attention, it's to get Sarah listening to what this conversation is all about. And Abraham says that Sarah is in the tent. And what this indicates to us is that she's behind the flap that separated her compartment from the rest of the tent. She's in her own area, but she's close enough to hear what they're saying. Okay? She's only separated by a thin wall. She's able to hear everything going on. And you know, we can imagine Sarah's ears prick up, can't we? As soon as the Lord said, where is thy wife? And her name is mentioned, we can see her ears prick up. And she begins to listen more intently to this conversation. What's this all about? Why am I being mentioned? And it's with her attention aroused and listening at the door that the Lord then declares yet again the promise that she will conceive and have a son. Look in verse 10. It says, And he said, I will certainly return unto thee, According to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. And so she's listening intently now at the door. She's heard them mention her. She's listening. As the Lord declares that she's going to have a son, she's going to conceive and bear a son. You know, weeks before this, Abraham had been given this same wonderful promise. Chapter 17. But Sarah had not been there that time to hear for herself. But now she is. She's there. She hears the Lord make this promise. She hears the Lord state that this miracle will take place, that she will conceive. You know, sadly, Sarah's reaction to this message is not one of faith, is it? 
her reaction here is not of faith, but rather she's filled with doubt. Look in verse 11, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. Sarah's filled with doubt. She knew that she was past the age of bearing children. She knew it was a physical impossibility for her to conceive and have a son. And she looked at herself, she looked at her husband and his age, and she immediately thought this is impossible. And she laughed within herself. She laughed. You know, this is not a laugh of joy. This is not a laugh of excitement. This was a cynical laugh of unbelief. Now, back in chapter 17, verse 17, Abraham had laughed as well, hadn't he? Chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? We saw Abraham last week. We saw that he laughed when he heard this same promise. But his laugh was not rebuked by the Lord. And it showed us the fact that his laugh was a laugh of joy, a laugh of excitement. He was thrilled by what the Lord was saying. Sarah, however, she laughs in unbelief. She laughs because she doubts the power of God. And immediately Sarah is rebuked by the Lord. Look in verse 13. It says, The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Immediately the Lord rebukes her and says, Why did you laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? Now imagine Sarah's shock as she hears the Lord ask that question of Abraham. As he, he asks, he says, you know, the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Imagine her shock as she hears the Lord ask that question. You see, in verse 12 it told us that Her laugh was within herself. It wasn't an audible laugh. She hadn't laughed out loud. She laughed in her heart. It was was an inaudible laugh. But the Lord knew her heart, didn't he? He knew exactly what had taken place. He knew what she had thought. He knew how she had reacted. And Sarah, when she hears the Lord ask this question, she must have been shocked and taken aback. How does this person know my heart? How does he know what, what I thought? You see, if she didn't understand that this was the Lord God talking with Abraham, she certainly started to realize now, didn't she? She started to realize that this is not just an ordinary stranger. This is the Lord God. And the Lord then asks a question that must have pierced deeply into Sarah's heart. In verse 14, he goes on, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. The Lord asked that question, is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, with these two questions, the Lord has exposed her heart, hasn't he? You know, wherefore did she laugh? The Lord knew she doubted. And he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? He knew that that's what she was doubting. That the Lord was able, the Lord had the power to do this. The Lord here exposes Sarah's heart and in doing so, the Lord has actually performed a miracle, hasn't he? This is something only God can do. Know her heart, know what she's thinking. The Lord has performed a miracle. He's read her mind. And by doing so, he's shown her the very truth that she needs to understand, that nothing is too hard for him. 
that He is God and He does know all things. The commentator Goetz writes this, Without having heard or seen her, He exposed the innermost thoughts and feelings of her heart. You see, God was teaching Sarah the same lesson He had just taught Abraham, that He was the Almighty God and that He could do anything, even that which is against nature. That's really what God's doing here, isn't He? He's giving her the same lesson He gave Abraham in chapter 17. The Lord is saying to her, I am God and I can do anything. I can read your mind, I can read your heart, Sarah. You know, what's amazing about all this is that even after the Lord exposes her heart, what does the Lord do? He reiterates His promise unto them. Look at the end of verse 14. It says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You know, this is the grace of the Lord, isn't it? And the patience of God. Sarah has just laughed in doubt, cynical laugh of unbelief. And the Lord's rebuked her. And then what does the Lord do? He gives her the promise yet again. That's the grace of God, isn't it? That's the mercy of God. That's the patience of our God with us. The Lord reiterates His promise that they will have a son. You know, Sarah, by this point, really should have now humbled herself, shouldn't she? She should have humbled herself, admitted her sin, and she should have believed. But sadly, we see that her immediate and initial response was to become defensive. And she denies that she ever laughed. Verse 15, it says, Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. In fear, Sarah now lies unto the Lord. She lied. She denied that she laughed. She denied that she doubted the Lord. But the Lord simply responds. He says, Nay, but thou didst laugh. The Lord knew her heart, didn't he? See, we cannot lie to God, can we? We can't lie to God. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And Sarah found that out the hard way here. God knew what was going on inside. Now, following this last rebuke, she must have been left embarrassed by the whole event. She must have been ashamed by it all. And we're not told how long it took for her to humble herself, admit her sin and to place her faith in God, but we know from the New Testament that she did. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, we find her listed in the hall of faith. Let's turn over there, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. In verse 11, we read this. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Here we read of her faith in the New Testament. What a wonderful change. You know, after the rebuke of the Lord, after her doubts and her sin, you know, she obviously humbled herself. She got things right with God and she trusted In him, we're told in Hebrews 11 that through faith, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She believed the word of the Lord and God strengthened her womb so that she could conceive. The end of the verse there states that she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful. She came to believe the truth of those words spoken in the tent that day. Is anything 
too hard for the Lord. She came to believe and understand that truth. Nothing is too hard for God. She counted him faithful. She judged him faithful, able to keep his promises that he made unto her. You know, Sarah may have at first lacked faith. And indeed, she laughed. She laughed in unbelief and she responded wrongly when she was rebuked by God. But you know, isn't it wonderful the Lord didn't give up on her? The Lord didn't turn his back on her. He kept working and Sarah humbled herself and she came to believe that God was able, that God was faithful to keep his promises. She came to believe that God could do the impossible. You know, there are times in our own Christian walk where I think we're a lot like Sarah, aren't we? We're a lot like Sarah. You know, we forget that the God we serve is the God of the impossible. The God we serve is El Shaddai. Nothing is too hard for him. You know, at times like Sarah, we laugh in our hearts, don't we? We laugh. We doubt the power of God. We doubt the power of our God to answer our prayers and to to keep his word, to keep his promises. We may not say it out loud, we may not laugh out loud, but we do in our hearts at times, don't we? We doubt just like Sarah did. And beloved, in those times we need to humble ourselves, don't we? We need to humble ourselves and admit our sin before God and acknowledge our lack of faith. And we need to ask God to increase our faith, just like he increased Sarah's faith. Now, as Matthew 19 verse 26 says, with God all things are possible. Beloved, our God is the almighty. He is the all-powerful God. And nothing is too hard for him. I wonder, do we believe that truth today? Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, that you are indeed a, a patient and long-suffering God and you work in our hearts to increase our faith just like you increase Sarah's faith. And Lord, may you help us all to understand and believe the wonderful truth that you are the God of the impossible. You are indeed El Shaddai. May, Lord, we rest in you. May we place our faith in you. May we understand your power to answer our prayers. And, Lord, I pray that you would not only increase our faith, but help us like Abraham to have an excitement, help us to have a, uh, a desire to be in your word every day and to hear from you and to grow closer to you, we pray. Bless now, Lord, as we close in Jesus' name. Amen.